Hey gang, welcome to 3 Up, 3 Down, the weekly podcast where we tackle three trending baseball topics from the grassroots to the professional ranks. I'm your host, Coach Nick Holmes, from Nanaimo Minor Baseball here in beautiful British Columbia. Please join me and my special guests as we take questions from you, the parents, players, and coaches who are looking to gain an edge by improving your overall knowledge of the game. Enjoy. What does three up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning. Are you still typing over there, or you need a minute? It's time for baseball! What's Twitter got you all... uh up in arms about you came in here talking about Twitter and you think it's you think it's done is is the trend going away I'm not all up in arms about Twitter I <laughs> I kind of like Twitter I find it funny yeah. but specifically baseball Twitter for those of you that don't know it's Twitter that's just a bunch of baseball people yeah. tweeting stuff and it's, there's some funny stuff on there but it's a lot of noise too there's a lot of people yelling into the wind that's for sure yeah um, but no, I was pretty fired up because some of my guys took some positives away from me. You were the one who was a little bit down on it, eh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm late to the game anyway. Twitter is the last uh, social uh, platform that I got on from, from the get-go, and it's just it's just overwhelming to me. I'm, I, I, I'm not down on it. I'm just, for me, it's the least, my least favorite. What's but your I'd, favorite? Probably LinkedIn, just because I have more baseball connections there oh. than anything, and everyone seems to be a little bit more... Rational <laughs> and a little bit more, how do I say, uh, cordial to each other. Yeah, There's not professional. A, yeah, professional for yeah. sure. There's not a lot of this, my opinion is right and it's a fact because I say it's a fact, not because it is a fact. Yeah. And I think people are just, again, it's a little bit more my speed. Mm. I do like the baseball Twitter. I like going on there and seeing the drills and yeah. people doing cool stuff and, and passing on that. And then, But again, it's just there's so much more noise to me. I don't mind Facebook either, but uh, again, that's that's personal stuff. So this year, we tweeted some stuff out through the college account about our World Series, and uh, we had a vote. And, you know, I was talking to the guys on the team, like, did you vote? Did you vote? And I'd say at least half the guys on the college team said they don't have Twitter. Huh. And that, that was is kind amazing. of surprising to me. Sure. And then Academy started this week up at Dover Bay. Uh, today, we were looking up some videos, and I forgot my password. It's just on my phone, right? So I asked one of the kids to sign in, and like a lot of kids said, I don't have a Twitter account. Wow. And, th- and that's cool, right? Because, I don't know, you're not yeah. all about that social media because it's not great, but just, you know, Twitter was kind of a big deal a few years ago. Yeah. And a lot of adults think it's still like the end-all, be-all because yeah. Mr. Trump likes to tweet a lot. Yeah, so celebrities, athletes, lot, they right? all like to tweet a lot, yeah. And I think that might be sort of why it's going down. I don't know, but... I find a lot of interesting videos on there, yeah, for baseball specifically. You know, so what are the, some of the ones that you've seen lately that you like? Uh, well, let me tell you a brief story, just leading into Twitter here. Please do. Probably got that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, Please do. Let's hear it. So last Saturday we were hitting in the cage, and we had a guy on our team, um, Thomas Leaf, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he's Okay, he he would never identify himself as you know a top tier hitter, but you know, he does a good job at the plate. He's got a good mental side. You know, I was working with him a bit on Saturday. One of his teammates was telling him some things that work for him, and you know he's having mixed results with it. And then uh, we had a few days off from hitting yesterday. We were hitting in the cage, and Tom was just raking. 
but one of the best I've ever best I've ever seen him hit, and one of the better guys of the day that was hitting. Mm-hmm. So I went up to him and I said, "Yo, what are you focusing on here today, Thomas? Your swing's looking really good." He said, well, "What'd you put in your smoothie?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "You know, I found this video of Alex Bregman talking about hitting." And I said, yeah. Oh yeah, because I had seen it. That's a good and one. Uh, he said, just the way he said it, and you know, it really clicked for me. And it's, you know, really something that I'm focusing on. And it, it really did solve a lot of the problems. Um, I don't know if those of you listening might not have seen it. Bregman talks about when he's hitting, he's a big rotation guy. So his issue is he'll fly open with his front side. So the way he thinks about it, in his words, just paraphrasing, he's got flashlights on his shoulders, his hips, his knees, his feet. And he tries to keep those lights pointed straight across as he's bringing the bat through. Right? And that just helps him stay there. And the body will rotate naturally for him because that's what he's trying to fight is the over-rotating. Mm-hmm. So if he focuses on his torso staying shut and just focusing on getting the hands in front of the ball and then making contact, it goes a long way for helping him. Obviously, he was you know, MVP talk this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. When, you know, it's good for you, Tom. Go do it. Keep pursuing it. Keep trying it. Because if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah. And then... That clicked in my head with something that happened a few years ago. There was a video going around on ESPN, the Josh Donaldson, infamous Josh Donaldson video. Yeah, yeah. big leg kick, rubber band. And in that video, he talks about he doesn't think about his hands at all. His hands will be in the right place at the right time if he makes sure his his timing, his rhythm, and his body's in the right place. And he was an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. He won. Yeah. Yeah. And he said the complete opposite of what another MVP candidate said. Then that also made me remember this video that also came out about a week ago of Albert Pujols talking with David Ortiz's son about hitting. Mm -hmm. And his big thing is the back elbow, right? Just getting that in for him will let the bat do its thing. That way he's not staying on top. He's staying through contact and then finishing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something completely different from what the other guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. So in Academy of Day, we were talking about what does that mean, right? It, how, okay. can, how can one guy say, this is the most important thing. I don't think about my hands at all. One guy says, I only think about my hands. And one guy doesn't even talk about the hands. Hmm. Yeah. Right? So where, where do you draw the line? That's a perfect example of how to each their own. Everybody goes about their business different ways and whatever it is that, that gets you through it and makes things click and connect, I think it's, it's going to be different for everybody, which is why we as coaches talk to the players in that sense too. Um, I've always thought that going through BP or whatever it is your hitting drill is for that day, that not everybody's going to be working on the same thing. Yeah, and so, true. you know, using Thomas as an example, it's like something that Bregman said clicked. And it made sense to him. Uh, not saying that's something that maybe Donaldson or Bonds or anybody else couldn't have said something that clicked too. But whatever mm-hmm. it is, for whatever reason, it clicked for him that day and it worked. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge victory for him to be able to say, okay, now I got something that I can practice and keep doing and, and use that as his, uh, as his focal point. Whereas, uh, you know, some of the other guys could watch the same video. And, and for me, when I saw the video, honestly, I was trying to figure out what he, where he's putting the flashlights. <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean? What flashlights are pointed where? And now you're doing what? I had to watch it three or four times. Yeah. Just, and then I, then I got it. Yeah. 
but, it, but that's a perfect example. It didn't click with me first. Yeah. If I was a teenager or a kid trying to learn hitting, I might have just ended it there after one watch yeah. and still be searching. So what we've been talking about already, there is some struggle and there is some stuff going on, but you brought up a good point last episode about focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. So if your strength is flying open with the front side and getting the inside pitches, focus on that, but focus on what you have to do to make sure that that's staying helpful mm -hmm. as opposed to being hurtful, right? It's like a guy batting whose hands are too quick, so he's early on everything, mm -hmm. right? And he's mad because he's missing everything. He says, darn it, I'm out front again. That's fine. You you have quick hands. Do you know how many people would kill for quick hands? Mm -hmm. Pretty much anyone doesn't have quick hands. <laughs> so just learn how to use them effectively. Right. Don't just darn the bad luck, get frustrated, and then try not think about hitting until the next day. Use the tools you have and focus on what you need to focus on. Because someone with slow hands doesn't need to work on the same thing as someone with fast hands. Right. Someone with natural power does need to work on the same things as someone with natural contact ability. Right. Which is a good point when you're working with two different hitters and you see a guy that is big and strong and can get away with maybe a little bit more rotational than, than linear movement to his to his approach to the ball, whereas a, maybe a smaller or skinnier guy that's not quite as strong needs that extra little linear movement to the ball to help generate more force behind his swing. So if you're a coach seeing these two guys and you're trying to teach them both the same way, you're probably doing one of them a disservice. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to recognize that and say, hey, man, I'm sorry, but you're not him. So yeah. you can't do it that way. Yeah. Well, you can do it that you way. Can try. But you can try, but it it's not work. probably not going to be as yeah. effective or, or be what you want it to be. So let's make an adjustment. Mm. You've got quick hands and you can wait a little bit longer on a bottle before you pull the trigger on it. You've, you're strong enough to hit line drives, but ball's probably not going to get out of the yard very often. So don't try to change your swing to be that guy. Yeah. And, and, and then again, vice versa with the other guy. It's like, you've got the power. Yeah. Focus on that and find yeah. the pitch that you can drive out of here and, and uh, try not to get yourself in a hole too many times that you have to shorten yeah. up and, and whatever. But the best part of what you said, though, is, that, is finding something that sticks or, excuse me, that works for you and stick with it, mm -hmm. at least for a bit. Yeah. You know, cuz you're going to change, you're going to evolve, you're going to get bigger and stronger and better. You're going to you're going to see another video on Twitter and yeah. say, "Wow, that clicks too. I'm going to go try that." Um so depending on where you are in your game, let's say it's in season and you're you're hitting well, mm. most people's common sense will probably say, "Don't fix it if it's not broke. Just keep doing what you're doing even though you may have saw something that mm -hmm. that you want to try." Uh of course, if you're not hitting well, then you're willing to try anything. Yeah. And uh that would be a good time to Maybe make an adjustment and, yeah. and see see where that takes you, which is, says a lot for the generation that we live in right now. And kind of the world is like everybody wants that instant feedback. Agreed. The, fee the uh, feedback may be keep working at it. I value your opinion. And I'm not going to say you're wrong. Yeah. I will uh, add a story about myself from my age that I always try and remember whenever I'm coaching, especially the, the early high school to high school age kid. When I was that age, me and my dad would go out hitting a lot. Mm -hmm. We'd film all my swings just so that way, you know, I would know what was happening. The main reason why we did it is because I'd be trying to do something mechanically a little bit different, like hold my hands a little bit higher mm -hmm. or not drop them or something. And that's the only thing I'd be focusing on, and I know I wouldn't do it. My dad would be telling me I'm doing it again. And I would get so mad at him mm -hmm. because that's all I'm thinking about. No, I'm keeping my hands up. I'm keeping my hands up. I'm keeping my hands up. He's like, let's see what the video shows. Go to the video. My hands are sure as crap dropping. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily all the time that the kids don't care, the kids don't try, or right. the kids don't think they're doing it right. Mm -hmm. It's that they don't have a 
idea that they're doing it the way that you don't want them to try it. Sure. So video is really useful for that. And especially if you're a parent and you're at the game, why not? Everyone's got a smartphone with a camera on it. Why not just film every other? I think there's got to be some type of tracking process that shows the kid where he was when he started and where he is today or where he's going to be going in the future. Something to shoot for uh, more so than just results. I think uh, yeah. before we had the internet and videos and cameras and all this stuff, the only way I had growing up was, was, was by the results. Well, I must be getting better because my average went up. Or I must be getting worse because my average went down. Mm-hmm. must be getting worse because I'm not getting on base as much. That was it. Yeah. It, it, it. No telling what several things it could have been. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the hands are right too high. I'm striding too early. I'm late on everything. I'm not seeing the ball. There's so many different things that it could have been. But the, the, today, we have the technology and we have the video, yeah. which doesn't lie. And it is instant. It is instant feedback. Yeah. And there's that whole thing about what's real and what you feel. Yeah. And so we talk about that a lot. And it's like if a kid says, I don't feel like I'm stepping in the bucket. And then you show them the video and say, well, this is what's real. You are stepping in the bucket. Yeah. So let's work on that. Go from there. Let me beat our fans to the punch, coach. Yeah. What does it mean to step in the bucket? <laughs> so the old uh, term stepping in the bucket is when the, uh, the pitch is coming in and the hitter flies out a little bit and the front foot goes uh, towards third base if you're a righty, towards first base if you are a, uh, a lefty. lefty, which would be you, <laughs> right? That's something that has always been looked at as uh, not a great position to be in to hit the baseball because you're exposing body to the pitcher rather than staying back and using all the things that are necessary to rotate, you know, hit through the ball. So stepping in the bucket is just that front foot. And you see it a lot of, at the younger ages. Yeah. I mean, drastically because yeah. they're kids and they're just not used to those yep. repetitions. And as we talk about, as we've been talking about all episodes, yes, mechanically, it's not sound to step in the bucket. But Juan Uribe had a very long career of stepping in the bucket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, again, it's you have to find what works for you. There are some absolutes. Well, you can go back to and, Ted Williams' yeah. science of hitting. He talks about it in there. If the pitch is inside, I step out. Yeah. If it's, if it's away from me, I close off. Yeah. And if it's down the middle, I step straight, which... That's tough to do. That's tough to do. It's, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend uh, <laughs> teaching that at this level either. So, But if it works for you. If it works, it works. No point not trying it. That's right. Uh, let's see. So You, you smell that? It smells like a commercial break. Grace, take us to commercial. This episode of 3 Up, 3 Down is brought to you by Centra Windows. Centra Windows have been in business for 35 years with offices on the island, including right here in Nanaimo. They are the largest manufacturer, supplier, and installers in all of British Columbia. And the best part about them is that they are 100% employee-owned and committed to giving back to the Nanaimo community. This approach ensures that their trained installers take the time required to achieve the highest standards. They've made an impact in our community and continue to transform homes for many residents around Nanaimo and the surrounding area. So keep it local with Centra and support the BC employee-owned Centra Windows. For more information, you can contact them at area code 250-756-3010. Private lessons. Nick, you've done lessons. I have done lessons. What do you think about lessons? Do you like doing lessons, first of all? Yes. I definitely like working one-on-one with players, and I think it's uh, fun. I think that there is a limit to how much I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people that you know want lessons where 
know, they've asked me to go three or four times a week with their their son or daughter for, you know, a few weeks straight, and that's fine. I, I don't mind helping them practice. Mm-hmm. But it would honestly be more valuable if I saw them less and they worked more. But I get that it's coming to see me is the kid's cue to get their work in. Yeah. Um, but there's only so many things you can introduce in a couple of weeks to a player before it's information overload and they start shutting down. Right. Right. And the other thing that concerns me a little bit is sometimes parents look at it as very results-based. Mm-hmm. You went and hit with your coach today, you better hit a double in the game or your coach doesn't know anything. Right. Right? And that's not yeah. really what it is we're trying to do. But um, there, there are a lot of things that we can do, and I like seeing kids that are committed to it and the you know families that want to help. And go mm-hmm. There's always good things that come out of it. Right. Maybe it's I tell them something and they do the opposite and it works for them. Maybe I tell them something, they do exactly what I say and it works for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a new drill that we introduce that just gets them ready for the pitch that they're going to see in the game. Right. Right. So it, it's beneficial for, for sure. For sure. I just don't know that three times a week for nine straight weeks is as beneficial as, right. you know, once a week. I think for me, it really always just depends on the student. Yeah, you know, they, I think there are some kids that that can take a few lessons and run with it, mm-hmm. and build on that, and continue to practice. And there are kids that they could come every single day for months straight and still be lost. Yeah. I remember trying to learn an instrument, and I always what's the first thing when you're trying to learn anything is that you want the results right away. Right? It's pick up a guitar, take a lesson. I want to be playing a full song from beginning to end. As soon as possible. That's this my darn goal. generation, right? So I, I, you know, when I do that, when I do that, I want it. I want to know how how to play a song. I don't I don't care about A B C D and mm. the bridge and you know all this stuff. And I think it just it's with anything that we're trying to learn, it's we're not really concerned with how yeah. we get there. We just want to get there, you yeah. know, get to the end. And so with lessons, it's the same thing. And I I try to at least connect with a kid enough to say, let's just work on one thing at a time here. And of course, it's always something that's no fun, because mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> you're repeating you're repeating it over and over. Whether it's the stride or the setup, or you know, get out of the box, get back into the box, get yeah. out of the box, get back into the box. Now check your distance, how far away from the play, and we'll look yeah. at your feet, your duck feet. Quit All stepping those, in the bucket. Yeah, quit stepping in the bucket. But you haven't even thrown him a pitch or taken a swing yet. And, yeah. But you but you understand as the coach that this is highly highly important for them to learn first. Yeah. They don't care. They just want to hit. And you can't blame them. And so I think that's one of the hard things to, is to, you know, when you're looking for help or I guess I should take it the other way. When you're, when you're trying to help a kid is keeping the fun alive too for them. And so I see a lot of coaches go in and they just talk, 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 talk for 30 minutes and then put this and then your elbow goes here and your hands go on the slot. And if you're not doing that, then you're never going to get this. And then that, oh, you did it wrong again. Let's do it. And it's like, that can't be fun. Yeah. I was a big talker when I first started doing this too, because you want the kid to get all the information yeah. and you're excited because yeah. they're wanting to learn. They're, they're, they're willing to listen to you. Mm-hmm. So when someone's willing to listen to you, you're willing to tell them more. Yeah. And you like teaching hitting, you right. like talking hitting, yeah. you want to share it. And but- now come 15, 20 years later, it's, I'm the complete opposite. Yeah. I say way less yeah. and try not to overload with the information and say, Hey, you know, let's get started. 
Yeah. And the kid's like, well, what am I doing? Well, we're going to hit. I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes just watching you swing. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Because yeah. I need to know where your base is. Mm-hmm. And then we can, okay, well, here's what's standing out the, the biggest for me is you got no balance. <laughs> Every time you swing the bat, you're falling over, right? So let's yeah. just start with that. Forget about hands and, and all yeah. this other stuff until – so, I don't know. That's just a, a way that I like to, to look at it. And I think parents might look at it from the other way and say, we've been here three times now for a half hour or an hour each time. And my kid isn't – he isn't hitting any better. In fact, he's hitting worse. Mm-hmm. Well, you know the yeah. answer to that is yeah. times you got to get worse to get better, yeah. right? You break it down to build back up yeah. again. If you run into a wall, you got to take a step back before you can go around the wall. You can't just keep walking forward. Well, and you mentioned something about the double. My kid, you know, I want the result. He had a double. I used to tell parents, you know, they'd come running over to the cage after the kid just had a lesson the day before that yeah. morning. He, you did it, man. He hit a home <laughs> run. It's so awesome, man. And yeah. the parents jumping up and down. And you're pumped for the kid, Yeah, for I'm like, sure. that's great. For I said, sure. but remember, I didn't do anything. Yeah. He did it. Yeah. All right. I don't want the credit for that, yeah. but guess what? Because when he strikes out in the next at bat, don't come running over to me and tell me yeah. that I'm a terrible coach because I made his, made your kid strike yeah. out. I don't want the credit, and I'm not definitely not taking the punishment. Yeah. So, and to my point earlier, it's I, I don't want to get it confused. For the younger kids, it makes more sense to go more. I'm talking more for like 15 years old that have been doing it since they were seven and beyond. There's more just smaller cues that are needed. Right. The reps are needed. But, but they can do that on your own. Yeah, it's they need more specific things, right? Maybe with a 17-year-old, like if a Tyler Dobson comes and works with me in the cage, we might spend 45 minutes just working on one thing mm-hmm. until he gets it down, until the muscle memory starts establishing itself. Mm-hmm. But if we're doing with a younger kid, a lot of the stuff we'll do is like different colored balls. We'll get those white and yellow machine balls, yeah. and we'll just do a drill, right? Yellow balls, hit it opposite field, white balls, pull. Right. And just get in the habit of recognizing the pitch and approaching Or call the out the color as it's coming to you yeah. so you know they're watching the ball. Yeah, you know, there's a lot things. of different yeah, things yeah, you yeah, can sure. do just to train the eye-hand coordination. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you really need to be training at the younger ages, the you know, 13 and under. If you can really put the barrel on the ball, you're going to have a lot of success. And that's a skill that will stay with you. If you struggle to put the barrel of the bat on the ball, you are going to struggle to hit for most of your career. Mm-hmm. Right? It's easier to learn that whenever you start as opposed to after a few years. We could talk about private lessons all day long and go over different topics that surround that, whether it's how do I how do I pick out a coach or how do I know if a coach is good for my kid. Or, yeah. What I'd like to do is open this up for the parents and the people that are listening. If you're listening to this episode yeah. right now, hit us back with some questions because yeah. uh, we could ramble on all day, right, Nick? But we got to get to some other stuff. Right. And um, if we could get some specific questions from parents on anything, whether it's how much does a lesson cost and, and what should we look for in philosophies or whatever it is, just mm-hmm. let's let's just leave that out there. And you guys hit us on the Facebook group at three up, three down or email me uh, directly. You got all you guys got all that contact information at the end of the show. Um, Real quick question. Sure. Before we move on, uh, talking about giving lessons, what are your favorite type of lessons to give? What's your favorite age group and favorite? thing to work on specifically if a kid comes to you what age and what thing does he say man coach i'm really struggling with this what makes you say i can i can help this kid in a a half hour what's your favorite thing ah man that's a good question i'd have to think about that it'll probably change yeah every time i think about it (laughs) um i'll just say this i really like the kids that 
that come in with the attitude of, I want to get better, but I don't know how. So, cause then that leaves me an open canvas. Um, for hitting. Yeah. Or pitching or fielding really. I mean, any, any part of the game, it doesn't really matter as long as they come in ready to learn and they're excited to learn. I'm excited to teach them. What's your favorite skill to teach? Probably hitting. Hitting. Yeah. I like fielding a little bit too. Pitching. Eh, uh, it's pitching's fun. I mean, there's just so many things to it, and then so and in the old, you put ten experts in a room and they come out and they only agreed on one thing, and that was what to order for lunch. Mm. You know, it's kind of my saying on that is that there's just so many things, and, and hitting. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things about hitting too, but it's just more fun to me because hitting's more fun. Yeah, and and you can do the whole. Let's work on it with the T work. Let's do a little soft toss. Let's do. Yeah. Some live BP, let's play a game. Let's just see how many you can hit in a row. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Whereas f- pitching, I feel like you're, you're almost stuck in that one phase that they're in, mm-hmm. which is they can't even stand on the rubber without falling over. Mm-hmm. And so then you feel like, I don't want to show them too much today because we're still not doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, is that, I don't know if that makes sense, but I like working with older guys too that will come in with a specific yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say... My favorite part of a lesson, though, is finding something within, say, a player's swing that he didn't know he was doing. Mm. And you can show him, bring it to their attention, and, and they have the, um, they have the uh, aptitude to make that adjustment quickly yeah. and then see the light go on yeah. and just be like, wow, that's so awesome. That, that's, that's pretty rewarding right there. That's, that's fun to do. So you find the problem, you diagnose it, and then you fix it. So. Yeah. So I just covered everybody. I like everything about it. I like every part of everything. <laughs> I like everything uh, of everybody. Good non-answer. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. What about you? You like pitching, huh? Uh, well, I'll tell you. This year for summer, a couple of my players happened to be in town to finish off their school or a couple of local guys from the college team. And I invited them to come out and hit with me before practice if they wanted to work on some things. And there were two guys that did. And, you know, there was Jordan Moffat. I'll use as an example. We worked together, I want to say, four days. In the first three days, I said completely opposite things and contradictory things just because, you know, like the Bregman Donaldson pools, right? Just seeing what clicked for him and just trying to find it. And we found it, and then the improvement was huge, right? So I kind of like the older kids for hitting because you just got to find what specifically they mm-hmm. need to work on or what they need to think. And when it clicks, it you really see the difference in that age. Whereas the peewees, you know, he'll go from hitting it 200 feet to 220 feet. Good for you. Mm-hmm. But at the college guy level, because there's just more strength, it's they go from hitting line drives 150 to hitting home runs 300, or something, mm-hmm. right? So there's the bigger improvement that's fun to see. But not that I don't like teaching kids how to hit, because ow, my hands, ow, my hands, turning into barrel, barrel, barrel. Oh, that doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. That's really fun, too. Yeah. But I find pitching to be, for me, the easiest, especially when. Kids don't know how to do it mm-hmm. because it's just a simple structure to follow for just the basics of it, mm-hmm. right? Just a five or six step thing. And then when you get to the older ones, that's when you can work more on the mental side of it, right? So if you're trying to throw a fastball outside, that's important, but realize the fact that as we were talking about with the pitchers, you're not going to be accurate all that often. You're not going to be pinpoint control. So control where you miss, mm-hmm. and that's going to make you be a really good control pitcher. So if you're throwing outside and it's 3-1, you don't know where you're going to miss, 
That's not very good. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to throw the pitch outside and it's 3-1 and you know that if you're going to miss, you're going to miss inside, then you can have more confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? You can execute better. The hitters can't just take you like nobody because you can dominate them. Right? 0-2, you're throwing a curveball. It's either, for some guys, it's either right down the middle or nowhere close. But if you can say, if I'm going to miss with this curveball, it's still going to be a strike. Or if I'm going to miss with this curveball, it's going to be a ball and still have a chance to hit your spot, then it's easy to be successful. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the type of stuff that a lot of young pitchers don't get. It's either I hit my spot or I fail. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. Yeah. And you better not live off of that because you're going to miss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when you do, you end up missing worse. Yeah. You get hit hard. Right, right. That's when I slip into the stop trying to aim it. Mm. Just throw it. Yeah. Just let your body feel it and just throw it. Try to hit, get in this general direction. not so much because yeah. then, yeah, you, you yeah. start to miss even worse. Yeah. So, you know, the ball's bouncing two feet in front of the catcher. Nothing wrong with getting up there and throwing it as hard as you can. Yeah. Every once in a while, anyway. Reach back and let her fly. Competition, listen. Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. And we're back. Thanks, Grace. Thanks. Good job (laughs) researching a question. We found a question. From from Kathy. We'll just say Kathy. We'll give out last names. She's from Nanaimo. She says, I have a question. My son has been pitching since Mosquito and is now in Bantam. He's been working on four pitches for the last three years and has pretty good control and decent velocity. During some tryouts, he lost a spot to a bigger kid who has a little more velocity but no real pitching training. There are no pitches other than, quote, throw as hard as you can over the plate. So the debate is what do coaches really look for? Control with average velocity or pure velocity with little control in hopes of teaching it? I have heard the saying you can't teach velocity, but what good is it if the velocity hits batters or walks a bunch of batters? I don't even know what to <laughs> address first. Well. First thing that pops into my mind is, yes, you can teach velocity. Okay, so let's talk about that first. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> You said it's the first thing that pops into your mind. So it's well, it's, cause, it's probably because it's the last part of the, of yeah. the question. We can work our way I, back. It's the last thing I read was is that you've heard the saying that you can't teach velocity. I don't know if I've heard that saying. Um, I have. I've heard you can't teach speed. And, again, I think you can teach yeah. speed as well. Yeah. I think you can teach pretty much anything that, this, that you do in this game. During the course of a season, it's tough, though. And I think that's more the – but you can definitely make your body bigger, stronger, faster. You can improve your mechanics. You can improve everything that mm-hmm. is involved with throwing a baseball. And the result will probably be that you throw it harder. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, right? <laughs> I mean, and uh, 
But let's go. Okay, so let's go to the control thing. What do coaches prefer? I think if you ask a bunch of coaches, you're going to get a bunch of different answers. Yeah. Some guys might be of the mindset that I don't care about control as long as you throw 90 miles an hour and we can work on that. And other coaches might be just the opposite. I don't care how hard you throw as long as you throw strikes and if you got a good mix of two, three, or in this case, four pitches. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think think with this specific case, and I don't know if I'm the guilty coach in this party because I was the Bantam AAA coach last year. (laughs) You're the guy. (laughs) But what I will say is well, I went to a baseball camp at ASU when I was like 15, 16, and the White Sox pitching coach, Cooper, was there. forget his first name. And he said, if you want to make it to the big leagues, stop worrying about control, stop worrying about pitches, start throwing hard. So if you throw 95, yeah. we'll find you and we'll find a place for you and we'll find a way to teach you the other stuff. If you yeah. throw 88... I can't teach you how to throw 95 because I may be able to, but the amount of work I'd have to put in for the odds that it won't happen are too big. Yes. You can learn how to throw hard. You can develop how to throw hard. But that's a big, big if and a big mystery. Whereas if you prove you can already throw hard, the changeup is an easier skill to learn than a 95-mile-an-hour fast. Well, to what you just said, if you throw 98 miles an hour, you're going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. I don't care where it goes. If you throw that hard, like that coach just told you, you're you're going to get a shot. You're going to get somebody that's willing to put in some work. Now, mm-hmm. what happens after that is the mystery. Yep. Because if you can never do anything other than throw at 98 miles an hour to the backstop, you're just not going to be playing very long. Mm-hmm. You'll get re- released after a year or two or however long they decide is worth the investment. Now, obviously, if you're a guy that they invested a bunch of money into, they'll give you a little more mm-hmm. time to get better. But we've seen it a lot. There's a there are a dime a dozen. There's a bunch of guys out there. Maybe not 98, but there's definitely a lot of guys out there that get drafted at 92, 94 uh, that never make it out of rookie ball. Yeah. And if you got the guy that can paint quarters and switch it up speeds and get batters out and guys have a hard time adjusting to him over the course of a game, I'll take that guy. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he's 91, yeah. 89, whatever. It's if He helps. If i got a spot for him on my roster and he can help us get a couple of wins, mm-hmm. sure. But, yeah. I don't know that it's – I also don't know that it's fair to compare a field pitcher to a velocity pitcher. They're two different beats. Well, and They're we're also comparing bantam-level kids with major right. leaguers or professional guys, too. So, let's so take it back down. So, let's to take the, it back down. Let's yeah. take it back down to the bantam level. I – as a coach, whenever I coach a bantam team or even a peewee team, I, I – I'm a firm believer that there are only two positions that you play in youth baseball, pitcher or catcher. All the other stuff is something you can do when it's not your turn to pitch or it's not your turn to catch. If you can't do one of those two, it is really, really, really hard for you to help the team. That being said, if all you can do is pitch and you can't hit, that might be another issue, right? So Mm -hmm. especially at the younger ages, which is where we're at, where we're talking, there's probably a whole bunch more to the picture. At least when I'm regarding a team, if a kid only plays second base and he's average and there's a kid who's average as well but also pitches, it's tough for me not to take the guy who also pitches. So if you're looking at starters, the reason why a coach will take velocity that doesn't really have much control over um, less velocity that has better control is velocity is hard to hit, man. (laughs) 
If yeah. if that ball's coming in at 50 miles an hour, you got a whole second to decide if you want to hit it or not. If that mm-hmm. ball's coming in at 85, you have point four of a second yeah. to decide if you want to hit it. So even if it is a ball, you might get some swings. There's value there. Not that that's the only way to do it. Not that you have to be a velocity guy or you're not useful. I wasn't a velocity guy my whole career. Mm-hmm. And I was a pretty effective pitcher in my own mind, I guess. But again, it's more towards do you want to win or do you want to get drafted as far as what it is you're trying to develop your player to do? So if you want to get drafted, there's no better way to do it than throwing hard. Mm-hmm. But if you want to win baseball games, throwing hard isn't always the best way to do it. But I think that the skill that should be taught to both kids, the kid that throws harder and doesn't know where, it, where it's going and the kid that doesn't throw hard and knows exactly where it's going is the opposite skill. Because I was a field guy. I got a lot of field guys that I coach on my college team. They're good at hitting spots, but they don't always hit their spots. No. They don't know how to rear back and throw a by a guy. If you can develop that skill as well as the skill to hit spots, that's when you become almost unhittable. When you can throttle your fastball between three, four, five different miles an hour, that's when you become really tough to hit. Well, I saw a stat or graph, um, Fangraphs, great website for uh, you statisticians or numbers people out there. Fangraphs is a great site to go check out stuff. So I saw this. I was doing some research on calling pitches. Roy Holiday, speaking of Roy Holiday, just inducted into the Hall of Fame yesterday. Uh, rest in peace. Passed away a year ago. Was one of the best with control. I mean, there's a lot of guys smarter than me that will agree that that guy, he was pretty good with control. You know, had a lot of complete games, was mo- most complete games in the modern era, I think. Yeah. No hitter, perfect game. Mm-hmm. I think I could hit his spots, right? Yeah. You ready for this? It showed a picture, a graph of all of his pitches or however many thousands of pitches that were thrown over a course of a time frame. And it showed... When he hit the catcher's glove right where it was, you know, hit his spot. And then the other category was slightly off or just missed his spot. And then the other cat, the last category was missed it by a lot. Yeah. Right. So guess how many times he hit his spot percentage. Give me a percentage. 54. Yeah. Just barely over half. Yeah. And he's the best in the world. Yeah. So I'm looking at this going, so that means the other half of the time. Well, and I forget what the breakdown was. Of course, he, he had just missed his spot by a little, yeah. another whatever percentage it was, 40-something. So, there was he didn't miss the big by misses much. Yeah, there. the big misses weren't there. Yeah. I mean, there was a few, it was a very small percentage. So, when he missed, he, he didn't miss by much. But, yeah. again, taking that as an example, he's, he's really only hitting that spot he's trying to hit yeah. half the time. have to look it up. But it brings me back to this. The kids that we're talking about are only going to hit their spots – <laughs> Probably half of that, if right? That. If that, so if what? Ten percent of the yeah. time, fifteen percent of the time, while they're they're learning to be the best in the world someday, mm-hmm. hopefully. Back to calling pitches. Go to a pee wee game and seeing guys sitting on a bucket, yeah. going through all the signs, and then the catcher looking over and then giving it back to him, and the kid nodding and then shaking him off, and then saying yes, and spiking it five feet in front of the plate, yeah. <laughs> or throwing it two feet over the catcher's head. It's like, oh, yeah. well, so what do we do that for? Yeah, just leave the kid alone. Let him work himself and call his own game, let the catcher call. That's who needs to learn how to do it. Yeah. Not the dad on the 
bucket trying to agree make a difference in the game. Firmly agree. Hey folks, thanks for listening. I want to take just a quick minute and thank some of the people that made this possible. Three Up and Three Down is sponsored by Nanaimo Minor Baseball Association and World Baseball Experience. It is produced by Pretty Easy Podcast and mixed and mastered by Alan Tuzinski. For complete details on this podcast, including show notes, social media links, and past episodes, please visit nmba.ca and click the little resource button up there in the top right-hand corner of the menu where you will also find our blog, some helpful training videos to go along with this. And if you would like to subscribe to 3 Up, 3 Down so you never miss an episode, you can always find us on your favorite listening platforms to include iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Whew, we got them all covered. If you like this show, do me a solid. Go ahead and share this with all your other baseball friends. If you don't like it, well, you're probably not listening at this point. Or you are not interested in helping us mold young lives into upstanding people in our community. And for that, shame on you. You got to live with it. Until next time, love the game, live the dream, and we'll see you at the yard. Oh.